We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All systems are good. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van And here we go, my friends. Welcome back to another audio adventure on Insight. I'm CVV Chris Fanfleet. Thank you so much for being back with us on this one. And oh, yes. Oh, yes. Feels so good to say it. Another in-person interview. I was actually invited to go to the New Japan Pro Wrestling Dojo in Los Angeles, where we were able to do this interview. Sat down with Switchblade, Jay White, and man, what a story of drive and determination and just being laser-focused on a goal, or perhaps blind ignorance, as Jay calls it. But he's carved out a pretty incredible career for himself in both New Japan and Ring of Honor, and he's just 29 years old, so he's still really just getting started here. You can find him on social media. He's at NZ. That's for New Zealand, NZ. If you're looking for me, you can find me at Chris Van Vliet. And when you check out this interview on YouTube, you'll see the incredibly comfortable t-shirt that I'm wearing from True Classic Tees. I've pretty much been wearing their shirts. They're plain, very cool shirts in all of my interviews for the last like six-ish months. And yeah, they're really comfortable and they're super soft, but the fit, the fit on these is what makes True Classic Tees so good. A little bit tighter around the arms and the shoulders, looser around the waist, Kind of like a push-up bra for dudes because it accentuates your body in all the places that you want it accentuates. And it's not just t-shirts. They also have polo shirts with the same flattering fits, uh, hoodies, underwear, and so much more. So use the code CVV20. You'll get 20% off your first order at trueclassictees.com. The link's also going to be in the show notes, but it's CVV20 and you'll get 20% off at trueclassictees.com. So good and so soft. Our fan of the week is Zeus 4 He says, woo, with four, three exclamation marks. This is awesome. You're the man. Keep them coming. Well, thank you so much for that, Zeus 4 Thank you for the review on Apple Podcasts. And yeah, don't worry, I will keep them coming. I read one review on every single episode of the show. So leave a few words on the Apple Podcast app. Tell me what you love about the show. Tell me why you're subscribed and why you listen to it. And I'll read one out here. I read one on every single episode. And 
Just thank you so much for being on this ride with me. And let's get into this ride for today. Ladies and gentlemen, Switchblade, Jay White. Look how sharply dressed you are. I love this. Yeah, custom made, got Switchblade in there as well. So yeah, you know, just for you. Uh, just for me, thank just you. For you. I got dressed up in this just for you, Chris. This is my first time in the dojo, so thank you so much for the invite. Yeah, of course. Obviously, they got a uh, nice uh, training facility here in LA. We got gym equipment behind you and the uh, authentic New Japan ring here behind you. Yeah, this is nice. When you're around something like this, are you like, man, I just gotta, I gotta get inside there? No, maybe if it was a few years ago, but <laughs> now I've been doing it for a little bit. You know, not as long as some, but no, I'll. Uh, bit selective with uh, when I get in the ring and that. Now it's like, all right, I'm going to get in the ring when we're going to have a match. Exactly, yeah. It's uh, it's very much work to me now. It's not something as much of a hobby anymore, obviously. So, um, yeah, when I get in there, it's all business. So, yeah, very selective with when and where. So, wrestling's pretty much been, I mean, you talk about you haven't done it as, many, as long as some other people, but this is pretty much your life, and it has been for a long time. Yeah, it has been. It kind of took over it since I, uh, since I left New Zealand and I left New Zealand in 2012. I didn't start training until the beginning of 2013. But since then, it really has uh, kind of consumed my life um, since then. And in great ways, obviously. Yeah. It's uh, afforded me a lot of opportunities and done all right with it over the last seven to eight years. So I've <laughs> really, a really a bit of an playing. understatement. Yeah, yeah, done all yeah. right with it, I guess. Yeah, and, and again, it's, uh, I've been pretty, uh, pretty fortunate. Well, you can say fortunate or if it's just down to skill that, hey, managed to accomplish quite a bit in that short amount of time. Yeah, how much of it in your opinion, is luck? And how much is it just working your ass off? It, it's it's both. I think you're going to require some luck in terms of meeting the right people and just being in the right place at the right time. But also, it's arguable whether that really is luck or not because it, mm. it's up to you to put yourself in those positions anyway. Um, that's kind of advice I always give younger guys if they ever ask for it. Um, is, hey, you've just got to put yourself in the position to have a chance. You can't go there expecting it. Um, but if you don't, you got to be in it to win it, you know, as yeah. the cliche and saying goes. So you've just got to kind of put yourself in all those situations as a trainee in wrestling specifically, go in the shows, um, whether you're going to be on the show or not, just go there. Um, you may have a chance and opportunity, which I get back in the day. You may meet the right people. Um, and yeah, you just got to put yourself in that position. That mantra of always bring your gear, which wrestlers always say, I feel like that also like applies to life to just always be prepared. Yeah, yeah. No, a lot of it crosses over. All those lessons and stuff uh, that we have in wrestling, a lot of that stuff crosses over because yeah, you got to be prepared for any opportunity, especially if you're trying to uh, do something like wrestling or just try to work towards any sort of goal um, that's going to require a lot of time and effort. Yeah, you just got to be prepared. When you think about New Zealand and you think about pro wrestling, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it just the Bushwhackers? And myself, yeah, and Fale. Well, uh, now, yeah, yeah. Uh, pr pretty but before you guys, it was just the Bushwhackers. Right? Yeah, to be honest, I mean, there was the you have guys like I think there's John Guria that that may be going back even further than the Bushwhackers. Um, but yeah, it's probably those are the best. Those are the most well-known New Zealand wrestlers, I'd say, uh, since before us, I guess. Hey, even now, probably they may be even still more well-known for now, perhaps. Here. Yeah, exactly. But uh, no, the New Zealand. New Zealand hasn't ever really been much of a wrestling hotspot in terms of uh, producing wrestlers and stuff. Uh, they're very much focused on rugby down there. Uh, so yeah, I think before us probably was just the Bushwhackers. So when you're growing up there and you've got this dream to be a pro wrestler and the blueprint really isn't there with people who have done this before you, what makes you think, yeah, I can accomplish that? I think it, it's just young and kind of, 
I don't know. I just had this belief in myself. And, and for me, I don't know if I've said this story a few times. I actually won a competition on the radio. Tickets, flights, hotel, all paid for to go to WrestleMania. So that's I actually won that when I was, uh, I think, 18. And uh, I just finished school and stuff. Um, and which, which WrestleMania was it? It was the one in Atlanta. I don't know. 27. Not, 27? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was 20, there. 27. So uh, actually, I... I won that, and that kind of got me back into it. It made me think, well, you know, if I was as uh, fortunate to win to win this competition to go here, it's like, why not? Why, why can't I? Uh, it's crazy that I won this to come here, so yeah, it's yeah. really that crazy for me to think that I can become a wrestler. Um, and so then from there, it kind of, I just decided in my mind that that's what I was going to do, and it was meant to be, so to say. And uh, yeah, just kind of did everything that I felt like I needed to. But I also didn't know it was going to work out. Like you said, there's never been a real blueprint for it. Yeah. For me, I just thought that I knew, and I guess I was right about that I had to get out of New Zealand for it. There was no wrestling scene in New Zealand. Obviously, the States would be choice number one, but I couldn't, um, I didn't know the visa situation sure. or be able to work, uh, but I could live and work in England and the UK. And so the, the way I thought about it, and again, I had no, no uh, knowledge of the independent scene at all. Just in my mind was, hey, if you want to make it, States is number one choice. And then UK is kind of a little brother to it in terms of opportunity. So um, I just kind of went with it and worked out from there. Was that your first trip ever to the US? Yeah. Yeah, that was wow. first, first, first and only time I've been to the US was uh, to go to that in Atlanta. Okay, so set up this radio contest. Did you have to call in and do something? Yeah, so I was, uh, I'd actually... Out of, out of school, I went straight into the New Zealand Army. I actually got in as an officer, but I did like the pre-training and then I left before uh, I completed that. So I didn't know what I was doing. Got a job basically laboring for a friend's, um, a friend's father. He had a construction company and stuff. So I was working on site there and I hear them on the radio there. They say, hey, we're going to do a competition and the winner's going to go to WrestleMania for them and a friend all paid for. Yeah. And so I had to call up and then they would give you a debate and then it would be you and then one other person. And they would just tell you if you're for or against it and you just had to on the spot try to uh, win that debate. And they, uh, the topic they gave us was that chick flicks were the best thing in the world or something. And they just said to you, hey, you're for it, me being for it, and then yeah. this person's against it, go. And so we had to have some sort of debate. And I managed to do this. I managed to talk about how on the back of shopping receipts back in New Zealand, they would always have some vouchers on it. And I mentioned, uh, you know, like Blockbuster, like the video DVD store. Yeah. Our one was called Video Easy. And I said, hey, yeah, you can get the, the super dockets from the back of the grocery store and you can go there. Chick flips, if, if you're having a date, you can buy one, get one free DVD. And so they, they uh, appreciated my sales pitch, I guess, for Video Easy and throwing them in there. And they, so they said, yep, you win the debate. They put me in a drawer. So then they do this over two weeks, multiple times a day with many people, multiple winners. Everyone goes into the draw. And then uh, a couple of weeks later, I'm sat there. About eight in the morning, I know they're going to do the draw to see who's the winner. I was like, oh, I'm just going to pause real quick, guys. I'll be back. Go and sit next to the radio with my phone. And I hear them dialing the number. Beep, 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 beep. Goes quiet. And then as you hear it calling on the radio, same time, my phone no starts way. vibrating, calling. And obviously, I shot up and couldn't <laughs> believe it. Started like yelling, like, no way. Answered the phone and I can hear them on there. And yeah, so wow. yeah, yeah, it was pretty crazy. And little did you know that it was your promo abilities that was going to win you this contest. <laughs> I, guess, I guess so. It worked out for me then. It's been working out for me since as well. So yeah, come full circle that way. But you were a wrestling fan leading up to this already. Yeah, I, I'd watched it when I was younger, like a lot of people. And then I think um, I, I started watching 2004 was when I first started watching. So later than a lot of people. 
Uh, but like I said, wrestling was never a big thing back in New Zealand. Uh, I probably watched through 2004, five, six, and I want to say, I want to say it was probably mid or early 2007. I kind of phased out watching it, getting into those mid-teenage years. Yeah start doing other things sure and so yeah so now i kind of didn't keep up for it for a couple of years and then come to this position and win that opportunity on the radio go to wrestlemania and then just decided in my mind like oh, okay yeah i'm gonna get back into this so you're sitting there at 70 ish thousand people at wrestlemania something like that yeah I, the main event was the miz and cena and cena with the rock, rock was the host yeah, yeah. and yeah. the rock ended up coming in and they also had snooki on that show which is <laughs> i remember right. because me and my friend we loved it we we're enjoying it and everybody else they didn't like her, but we're like, ah, yeah, no, she's great. This is awesome. So. That was right. Yeah, and The Rocks came in and set up WrestleMania 28 from there. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, they did that. Was it, was, like, it's a spectacle, right? For anybody who hasn't been to WrestleMania, yeah. it's a spectacle. It's a Super Bowl. Of course, it was crazy. Walking into that stadium, it was in the Georgia Dome, yeah. I believe, yeah. Walking in there and just seeing it open up, I just, nothing I've ever seen before. Sports events I've been to in New Zealand, uh, whether it's like cricket or rugby, I'm not even sure the exact number, but it's, no more than 20,000 for the most part. So then walking into an, an, an arena like that and seeing yeah. something that size, I've never seen it before. So were, was it the start of the show where you're like, I think I can do this? Or was it at the end where you're like, that was amazing? Honestly, I, the moment that I actually remember, it wasn't the show itself. It was the Hall of Fame ceremony and listening to Shawn Michaels because I saw him get inducted. So that was pretty cool. And it was just listening to him talk and stuff. And mm. I don't know, it just kind of took something clicked in my head. Why can't I do this? Why not me? So, and it went from there. But the thing is, you took a huge leap of faith. Like you said, yeah. there wasn't a lot of wrestling. There wasn't a big wrestling scene in New Zealand. Huge leap of faith to move to another country, to another continent, yeah. to try to figure things out. Honestly, it's almost like I was too dumb to know better, too young and dumb to know any better. I just had this kind of stupid belief in myself where I really, really believed that it was meant to be because it was so crazy to me that I would win after these years of not being into it to then win the competition on the radio, it really just kind of, in my head, oh, no, this is meant to be. So, uh, well, this is what I have to go and do now. And so it just kind of did everything from that. Um, and yeah, it was really like a young and dumb belief. Whereas whereas now I'd probably be like, oh, shit, that's not possible. That's a bit crazy. This is a bit extreme. But I'm glad that I did that when it's I did. like young ignorance. Pretty much, yeah. No, it really, it really is. Yeah, and I didn't tell anybody about it at the time either. I didn't tell my parents that's what I was trying to do. Uh, when I left New Zealand, even my... The friend that I went and lived with uh, in a place called Guernsey is an English channel between England and France. I lived there for 10 months before I then moved to England. Um, never told them that that's what I was doing. I just went to England and started from scratch, found a training school. I didn't tell anybody. Did you know anyone there? No, no, I didn't oh know anyone. Gosh. No, I didn't know anyone there. I just found a training school. Um, I'd got in contact with them. I stayed at a backpackers for about a week. And within that week, I... Uh, organized, I found a place to live. So I'd be sharing a student house with a few other people. This backpack is, I think I was sharing a room with three other guys. It was like, like a hostel? It, pretty much. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. It's exactly what it was. Um, and then I found found a place, play, managed to uh, pay three months rent up front. And so it wasn't the best place to live, but got me somewhere to start whilst I started training for wrestling. And yeah, didn't know anybody there. But the first time I told anybody from, I guess, my real life before people that knew me before getting to England was uh, when I was about to debut I just called my mum and said oh yeah so this is what I'm actually about to do tonight and this is the whole thing I'll be <laughs> doing what they think you were doing in England well they just thought I was hey he's just traveling he's just gonna go out there and have some get some experience and stuff and go travel the world a little bit um, but yeah I knew yeah. I was gonna have to tell somebody at some point so yeah I oh, didn't want I didn't want to tell them that until I like kind of got into it or actually started doing it 
wouldn't want to start training and then it all turned to shit. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, no, hey, that, that I told you about, that thing I told you about, not yeah. doing it anymore. So, yeah, that's how it started. But what I love about this story is there's so many people that want to do something that seems impossible. Yeah. And they think of all the reasons why they can't do it. Yeah. You did the exact opposite. Yeah. You looked at all the reasons why it was possible. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one to think back on, to be honest, because it really was just, I just, I remember there was just times I just had to kind of motivate them just convinced myself that it was possible. Um, I just kept telling myself that, yeah, there's going to be obstacles. Um, I wasn't a big guy at all. You know, didn't, that just wasn't an issue to me. I just figured I would find a way around it. Um, that's kind of how I was with anything. There was going to be obstacles, whether it's travel or dif it's different countries and things like that. And I just remember telling myself that so long as you don't tell yourself no, then you just keep finding a way around what's put in front of you, then you'll get there in the end. Oh, I love that yeah. so much. Yeah, as simple as it is, that really is how I was thinking about things back then. Who was the Jay White character back then? Who, who was I back yeah. then? Oh, he's just just a young kid just trying to figure out what to do with his life in the world and then just with a with a silly dream that doesn't seem too possible. But And what was yeah. the first, like in your first match, what was your character? Oh, like? I see what you... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> First match, it was myself versus a guy called Gino Giuseppe, which is uh, that was his that was his name, and I actually sounds had, very Italian. Yeah, well, it, he was. There <laughs> yeah, we go. There I'm, we go. I'm glad then because he, yeah. he was an Italian guy, so I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that that name very very much uh, showed that he was Italian. But uh, I had a singles match with him, which led into a tag match later that night. So my debut, I actually had two matches, and I actually fell off the top rope, uh, leading at the end of the the tag match, climb up to do a crossbody, and. I, start stumbling a full forward but luckily I landed on my feet because so I could jump up and luckily uh, you fell jump, forward luckily I went forward and I could jump back up real quick and uh, so I could uh, do the crossbody and manage to, I think we actually got the victory there so that was nice but uh, the character just, he's just young wrestler just trying to just trying to learn how to wrestle just trying to have these opportunities trying yeah. to get as many matches and as much experience as he can and yeah just nice young respectful guy so um bit different to nowadays. A little bit different. A chiseled veteran now. <laughs> yeah. When yeah. did you really start to feel like, okay, I'm getting the hang of this? Uh, honestly, I picked it up pretty quick. Um, I remember when I, my first training session, uh, that he, I said, I've never done this before. And he's like, you got, you haven't trained anywhere else. So they, they, they found it hard to believe that I hadn't done that anywhere. You were natural. But I was, yeah, yeah, really was, but not, not, in, not trying to, uh, you know, big myself up too much, but I was just, I just managed to pick up. I could see stuff on TV. I could see running ropes on TV, and I just knew how to do that. I played a bunch of sports when I was younger, so I think the uh, the coordination was there from the start, which helped me be able to pick up these things yeah. pretty quickly. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how that came about. And then, like, a series of, like, knowing somebody who knew somebody, that led you to New Japan. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I met uh, Fergal, Devitt, Prince Devitt, Finn Balor, however we want to whatever name you want to give him. I met him about a year into it. So I started 2013, January. Um, and then he, we uh, brought him over to do some of our shows, uh, I want to say February 2014. So almost exactly a year after I debuted, uh, he came to do some of our shows. And um, I think the way that he puts it, because he didn't really see me wrestle that much at all, I don't think. It wasn't that that uh, impressed him. It was the fact that I was doing all the other jobs and everything. I was there building the ring and stuff. I think I actually... He's got a better memory than me, obviously. I think I had like a broken thumb or something at the time because I heard there was some video I saw recently of him saying he remembers just seeing this guy with like a cast on his hand and doing all the jobs and stuff. And that's what he's told me since is that, so yeah, I could tell that you wanted it basically and you would fit in with the New Japan system. So 
He then went and uh, spoke to the right people, I think, mentioned me to uh, Bad Luck Farley, seeing as he was a fellow Kiwi. Um, spoke to the right people, me and Farley got in touch, and, and then from there they got me out there on... Uh, I landed in Japan January 1st, 2015. But it's, you know, it's enough to get an intro. It's enough to be able to have the door like a jar for you, yeah. but you've got to do the rest from there. Oh, of course, yeah. Like they, they, they can get you, a, get you a spot and a chance, but of course, there's, it's, that's where the work really starts. You know, nothing's even started at that point. It's just day after day, you've just got to give it your all, especially when you're in the dojo and the actual physical training of it as well. The culture shock of just being over there, different language, different lifestyle and all that. So... Yeah, it's a lot of hard work from there, and you've, uh, dojo's tough, yeah, not everybody makes it through, and it's like that for a reason, um, but if you make it out the other side, it's definitely worth it. But if we're looking at your career, it's like New Zealand, to then England, to yep. then another huge step to yeah. now Japan. Yeah. How's your Japanese, by the way? Uh, it's a little rusty, I haven't <laughs> been there in a little bit, but uh, we have, my Japanese would kind of, there'd be times where I'd study it, and it'd be great, and then I'd slack off, and it'd come down, but the... Who would who kind of took you under their wing and said, "All right, I'll I'll kind of translate." When I was you. first, uh, when I was first, I was in the dojo with Sho and Yo, and uh, so they they didn't really speak any English either. None of they didn't speak any English. I didn't speak any Japanese, so it was a little bit uh, tricky to start off with. Yeah. A lot of hand gestures and all that. Um, but how they started. You, yeah, to, how are you learning? That really, honestly, a lot of you know when I first got there, couldn't communicate with the other guys in the dojo at all. It would just be. We'd try to find items or you'd go on your phone to try and uh, translate things or anything like that. Find a picture of something that, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. Wow. Um, but they, uh, luckily, some of the older guys, obviously, because they'd travel around, they'd know some English. So there would always be at least somebody um, that would know some sort of broken English, most of the time anyway. Uh, but then showing you, know, they started to learn a bit of English. I started to learn a bit of Japanese and you kind of <laughs> find out your own ways to communicate with each other. And then who were some of the wrestlers who were kind of in the position that you were, who spoke English and didn't know a lot of Japanese? Uh, I mean, well, when I got there, it was me and Cody Hall got there at pretty much the same time. I know David Finley came, I want to say, in April, so about four months after us. Um, but then you had guys that were there on the tours, uh, like Carl Anderson, uh, obviously Bad Luck Fale, Tomatonga, all those guys were there. Um, you had Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Um, Bad Luck Fale is fluent in Japanese, so he was helpful with it at times. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the other foreigner guys in the dojo, it was just me, Cody Hall, and then eventually David Finley, and then even later, Juice Robinson. And what do you think was the match that really put you on the New Japan radar? Back then? Yeah. Uh, like, the, kind of the one where it's like, all right, this is a new guy, this is a foreigner, and then they went, oh, okay, he can go. You know what? It might have been, as a young boy, because obviously they'll be looking for different things as a, as a young boy compared to if you were, like, a main roster guy. So, honestly, my first one, because I was very fortunate that my first match, that my debut match was a singles against Alex Shelley. So, it was gonna, uh, I was going to have a better opportunity than most to be able to showcase yourself. Um, I didn't wrestle the New Japan style one little bit. To be honest, I didn't even know what it was. I still wrestled a very similar to match to what I would do at a show in England and like a, like a town show in England. Um, so there was, there was obviously things that I did that they probably weren't a fan of, but they were also aware that like, that's no big deal. We can change that. The, the, main, the most important stuff, I think they could see that that was there. Um, and I think it very much worked in my favor that that first match was against the guy like Alex Shelley. Uh, rather than against another young boy. Right. As it, as it did give me a much bigger opportunity. Um, so I think they, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I think from there, that uh, that was probably, gave, was a good sign for them. And then actually another one, uh, other than the debut, was my first singles match against Taguchi. 
Uh, that was in Karakun Hall. And uh, I remember that one got um, had a really good uh, response after it, I think from fans and like the, uh, the office alike. And then you take that knowledge and is it Ring of Honor that kind of says, hey, we like what you're doing? Or was it the other way around? Uh, honestly, I'm not sure. I just got told that, yeah, we're going to send you to Ring of Honor. So I don't, whether it's them saying to Ring of Honor, hey, do you, do you want Jay for a bit? Or yeah. whether they're asking them or if it's Ring of Honor asking them. Yeah. I would say it's probably a little bit of both and say, hey, we're looking to send Jay away. Would you guys be interested? And I'm, I'm assuming or hoping that they obviously said, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I just get told, like, hey, this is where we're going to send you. Right, and then another move, right? And then it's yep. to the U.S. Exactly. So we've gone, I actually went to New Zealand, then a place, little island called Guernsey, then England, then Japan, now U.S. And I started off in New Jersey um, there for about just under a month for our first couple of ROH shows. Um, and then I would go back and forth to England a bit because I had some big breaks. And then I would do some uh, Rev Pro over in England as well. And then once I uh, came back to the States from England, so like late 2016 and then Leading into 2017, I ended up living with Alex Shelley for a while there and was in Michigan for a fair bit. So, and the funny thing is when you're living on the East Coast of the U.S., your flight to England and your flight to um, um, L.A. is like the same distance. Yeah, yeah, that's, like a, that's a good point. hours. Yes, that was a, that's always a weird thing to me as well is getting used to having a, a flight in the same country still be six hours or so as well. Yeah. It's different to anywhere else. So you're living with Alex Shelley. How much of that do you just absorb from him? Like as much as I can. He yeah. was, a, yeah, he was a very influential person in my career in terms of just learning, especially uh, at at the shows as well for Ring of Honors because we would often be teaming. Um, so just being able to to learn from him when he's in that leadership role, and then also stuff when we're just at home, whether it's talking about wrestling or if it's watching anything, or it's or if it's just things that I'm ideas I'm coming up with, I'd always ask his opinion and. Uh, defer to his judgment because that guy knows what he's talking about. Oh, yeah. So so often, uh, he would give me a piece of advice for a uh, desired outcome and you do what he says and that exact outcome will happen exactly how you want it to as well. So yeah, he knows his stuff. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's something we would see you do in the ring? Maybe we wouldn't notice it, but something that you do that's because of Alex. Oh, 
I'm not sure. I, I might not even be able to name it because it's pro there's probably stuff that's more of like a subconscious or like yeah, automatic yeah. things. Because the way that I wrestle uh, nowadays is probably not too similar to. I wouldn't say it's similar to him, but yeah. I'm sure that there would be certain things that I can't even pick off myself. So I don't know if others be able to pick it. It off, just innately made you a all around better wrestler. I think so. Yeah, I think so. It's more of uh, more. It would be the things that people don't see. I think it's more the stuff in in the mind and and when it comes to wrestling that uh that he kind of imprinted on me more than in, in terms of actual physical move or yeah. anything like that. So then then now you're living in Florida. Yeah, so yeah, I was in Michigan for a little bit, and then we uh, now moved up to Florida. So I've been there for almost two years, and yeah, I love it there. Can't can't take those winters down in Michigan for for about six months and and however long. So I need to be close to some water and then some sunshine. Look, I'm from Canada. I get it. I know what cold feels yeah. like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's not really uh, not really what uh, the environment I prefer to be in. And there's so many other workers that live in Florida. Yeah, there's a lot of wrestlers down there. That's kind of how I uh, ended up there. I was trying to find out where to move to from there, other people's recommendations. And a bunch of people spoke highly of Tampa. I know Tiger Hattori, he was there years and years and years ago. And every time I see him now, he still asks about the exact area, even though it's the same conversation I've had with him time and time again. But <laughs> yeah, he was someone that said, uh, yeah, it's a great area as well, amongst other people. So what would you say is the New Japan match now that everyone talks about or asks you about? Uh, there's a few of them. Yeah, I was. That's that was the first one I was going to go to because it's also. I guess it's the most recent, one of the most recent ones. I guess Wrestle Kingdom this year uh, would be would be a common one that people go to. Um, the other one I often get is obviously Madison Square Garden, and then also the Cow Palace against Juice Robinson um, for multiple reasons. That one obviously there's a bit of drama there at that show, but um, I'd say that those three. But I'd say probably Wrestle Kingdom this year was would probably be the main one. Oh, and the G1 final from 2019. So I think G1 29 final. It is a dream for so many wrestlers to wrestle in the Tokyo Dome. Yeah. What's it like to go there for the first time? First time going there. Uh, so yeah, 2015, I got to watch the show before having to start to like do the jobs there. Um, and seeing that for the first time was... I, honestly, at the time, I didn't know too much about New Japan, despite the fact that it's got there. I didn't, I didn't do enough of research at all. But then, so then, just seeing that from such like a beginning stage, being so unprepared, and then seeing that, it kind of took your breath away even more than if you had been prepared. If that makes sense. Um, so it was just yeah, awe almost like you had no expectations. I really, honestly, yeah. really did, and it was just really was just awe inspiring. Um, I think the big difference for me was experiencing that crowd in person. Uh, all I'd really seen of the crowds would be the stuff on TV, so mainly WWE crowds. Um, so then going there and that Japanese crowd, just you can feel the difference and how they're feeling about what's going on in front of them. Yeah, and then when you work there for the first time, what's that? What's it like when your music hits there? The Tokyo Dome, yeah. especially. It's uh, yeah. Every time that I'm going to walk out there, I make sure to tell myself to uh, to just take a moment when you're up on the stage, just take it in because it comes around once a year. Well, now twice for for some people, but um, just to take it in because I'm aware that uh, those moments are the things that you'll look back on and appreciate, and you're not always going to be aware of that in the in the moment. So I try to always take a moment, look, stand up on the stage. I think most years I've been fortunate to have uh, big pyro and flames flying up next to me, yeah. so it's pretty cool to stand on the stage and just kind of take in uh, the ramp down of the ring and obviously the crowd as well. So it's pretty cool. Um, and then, and then once you get in there, it's just, 
It's just like getting in the ring any other time for me, to be honest. The only difference, kind of the main difference going on as, as matches will go on is the crowd noise often takes a second to get to you. So uh, it kind of comes at like different times and things like that. Um, and the way it just echoes around, it really does just overwhelm you, though, the, the noise in there. Everyone talks about that Japanese crowd being different. And it is, right? And when you watch it, it's clearly different from an American crowd or a British crowd. What's the word you would use to describe it? That, yeah, what is the best one? I know how to go, how to explain it, but to sum it up, it's, it's okay, two words. It is true emotion from mm, that crowd. So mm. it, they, they have real feeling when they're, when they're watching these shows and they're watching the wrestling as opposed to uh, over here for, and not all the time, but I think compared to US crowds, US crowds, their reactions and feelings and such aren't as uh, authentic or genuine or true as they are in Japan when the crowd's reacting to the shows. I think that's the main difference. Is it because the crowd here wants to feel like they're so educated? They want to feel like yep. they know what's going on? Yep. And you've spoken about this so many times. Like yeah, exactly. Everybody which, in the crowd here has read all the dirt sheets before going there. Which is odd to me because for me, if I try to think back of when I was just a wrestling fan watching it, the things I'm a fan of and things that made me love wrestling in the first place, I'm not going to be able to, I wouldn't be able to experience them if I'm trying to find out all that other stuff, to be honest. I, as a fan, I want to be surprised. I want to be shocked. If I'm going to watch a movie, I don't go into it and, and try to find out anything about like what's the story of the movie beforehand because that yeah. defeats the whole purpose. So uh, yeah, it's a pet peeve of mine that it's almost like a lot of wrestling fans, they make it, it could be more enjoyable for them, but they almost make it not as enjoyable because they're almost like they love it too much. They can't be patient and wait for it. Um, yeah, I've touched on that a bit, but that, yeah, that is because they try to find, almost want to know too much and they ruin it for yeah, themselves to an extent. It's interesting because if we were to go see a Marvel movie and you told me a big character that was going to die, you would have ruined the entire experience exactly. for me. Yep. But if we're going to see a wrestling show tonight and I go, oh, actually, this guy's contract is up tomorrow. So he's probably going to lose because of that. It just feels like, I don't know. It, it, to me, that defeats the whole purpose of what I've gone and watched it in the first place because you want to have, you want to have that, that emotional connection to it. In, in my view, that's how you get sucked into it and that's how you're going to enjoy it the most is if you can be connected to it. If you try to find out things like that, you're not going to have uh, as, as much of a strong connection to it. You're not yeah. going to enjoy it as much. And you also, I, you have a different approach because you weren't watching wrestling when you were four and five and six years old. You came into it and really developed an appreciation for it as someone who was actually in there doing it. Yeah, yeah, that is, that is a good point. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know. I don't know how that uh, plays out in terms of my style and stuff compared to other guys, to be honest. But um, yeah, maybe it's because I, when I really started watching, maybe it was at an older age. I don't know. I'm not sure how that really plays into it or how it's going to, yeah. I saw you on Saturday at the LA Comic Con uh, Convention. You did a signing there. And I'm sure you heard this a lot, but people were like, oh, he looks a lot leaner. Like, what's the, like, what's the reaction to this? Uh, I mean, yeah, I just try to, get, try to get leaner over time, I guess. There was, there was points where when I went away on excursion, I was trying to put on size. Um, and to be honest, at the time, I didn't realize how I was, I, was, I guess I didn't have the right idea of or an accurate idea, rather, of how I was looking, and so then I, uh, there was a there was a point. I think I want to say late 2018. I kind of like realized now you're going to lean out a bit. Um, I, I just feel comfortable at a bit of a lighter weight sometimes as well. Um, yeah, it's just 
part of training as well. Well, and that's the biggest thing is like, how, what makes you feel the best? Yeah, exactly. Especially being in there. And like, I, I injured my hamstring in, uh, I think, mid-2018 as well. And I would get a few more aches. And not that I was like big, big, but I think compared to what my frame is used to and the weight I was used to carrying around, it was a little little bit extra, especially trying to wrestle on such a hard schedule as well. So Yeah, I was talking yeah. to Will Ospreay about this recently. Oh, yeah. He's put on a ton a, of size, It's a right? good example, yeah. And he's like, there's a lot of things I can't do or can't do as quickly as I could two years ago. Yeah, exactly. And then that obviously can make that, that can make it a bit more dangerous for him um, if, if he doesn't, you know, if he's not smart about what he can and can't do with ease and... and without hurting himself. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a big part of it. For people who haven't checked out New Japan Strong yet, and you absolutely should because it's amazing, mm-hmm. how would you describe this? Because it's American wrestling, but it's also Japanese wrestling. Yeah, yeah, that, it, is, it is a good blend of it. I think also uh, you're going to get what you want out of New Japan. You're going to get that from New Japan Strong, I believe. And you are going to get that that little uh, accent of, of U.S. stuff on, on top of it as well. Um, and since having the crowds back, it's made all the difference as well. Um, obviously, for the live shows, then I'm sure just for people watching it, going from having no fans there to then having fans there that have been dying to get out here for a long time, it just makes the whole thing so much more enjoyable for the fans watching, again, on New Japan World or in person. And I think people are seeing that and now they're coming to the shows because they're seeing that atmosphere there as well. And yeah. Yeah, the crowd's just been getting bigger and bigger since we started having them back uh, starting in August. And hopefully uh, this Thursday in Hollywood, it'll be no different. We'll just keep getting more and more people, keep the momentum going. And it's, it's something I've said a couple of times now. So I guess I'll keep saying every Please. chance I get is that <laughs> New Japan's strong. The way I see it going, I can see us becoming... I, my goal, I want to make us the, the main the main piece of, of New Japan Pro Wrestling and the stuff that's happening in Japan at the moment, that can be the side piece because I think we truly got the potential here to, to really do something with this and it, it's exciting. You know, it's the new hot thing. Uh, we got momentum so we're just going to keep rolling with it. Yeah, and with the recent news about Ring of Honor, I feel like that's a great slot for New Japan and New Japan sl- Strong to just slide right into. That's a good point that I haven't actually thought about it that, um, specifically to be honest. So, But now that you mention it, that is a, that is a very good idea. Unfortunately, stuff's happened with Ring of Honor, so there's almost like yeah, another little open slot as well. Um, and I think also fans have just been dying for for New Japan to to put on what made them like New Japan in the first place. So I think yeah. this is a good opportunity for us to uh, to do that. Yeah, and as we sit here right now, you talk about Thursday's show in Hollywood, and it's Christopher Daniels making his return mm. to New Japan against yep. Jay White, the young. Uh, Young Christopher Daniels, who and I and I've said this again as well. You know, people call him the fallen angel. Recently, I'm calling him the uh, fallen, forgotten, failing angel, Christopher Daniels, because his career's kind of. I mean, I guess it could be coming to an end or, or something. But I'm just going to try and give him another opportunity to see if he can spark something, see if he can revive it and get it going again and get his name out there. Because, you know. A guy like him, he just needs one opportunity and maybe he can uh, get his career going. Again. I don't know. Maybe he can teach you a thing or two in the ring. Oh, well, he hasn't done the things that I've done, though. So if you're going to look at our accolades, <laughs> I don't know. I guess this could be up for debate. But, uh, I mean, if you're debating with me, you're obviously going to lose, as we've already learned. <laughs> this uh, is true. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it's, uh, if we're going to compare accolades, you know, single-handedly sold at Madison Square Garden, first ever Grand Slam champion, you, you know the drill. So... You know what? Maybe I'm going to teach Christopher Daniels a thing or two, mm. or three, or four. Or Interesting, because his age begins with a five now, which is crazy. He's hit that already? Yeah. 
Wow. He's I found, haven't even hit the threes yet. He's so. found the fountain of youth, though. Yeah, you know, you know. We'll, we'll see how he feels after Thursday and That's, see if he feels his age a bit more after that. What's the one match in New Japan that you haven't had yet? Who's the opponent? Is there one? I don't I think I think I've probably had a thing I've mixed up with most. What about of New guys. Japan Strong? New Japan Strong? Nah, there's no one there that I'm really after at this point because the thing is, is that everybody's after me there, which makes sense, of course. That's, They're going to want to make names. Yeah, you're on the list for a lot of people. Exactly. And that's what, you know, that's why I've opened the door up to New Japan Strong and I've put this open challenge out. Then you've got guys like young Christopher Daniels that are stepping up to <laughs> stepping up to that challenge. So maybe there'll be a, another guy from Strong that wants to step up to it. Maybe there is a guy that is... Uh, just coming from Ring of Honor, or maybe it's another AEW or an Impact guy. You never know. So, well, the Forbidden Door seems to be open now. So, they're Forbidden Door, but like I said, I've got my own open door and open challenge here. So, hey, if I don't know if we'll go through their door, if people want to come through our one, we'll see. I guess. I mean, it could be possible. We could see you on an episode of Impact one day. You could we exactly could see you on an episode of Dynamite or Rampage. Exactly. We'll just have to wait and see, and people will see if that'll happen again, and they need to stop asking me about when I'm doing that because. Again, like we just touched on, one, why would you want to know in the first place anyway? <laughs> Secondly, do you think I'm really going to actually tell you? And then even if I do tell you, do you think I'm telling you the truth? If I tell you that I'm going to be there this Wednesday, do you think, are you going to believe me? If I tell you, no, I'm not going to be there this Wednesday, how do you know I'm telling the truth? So, yeah, that question uh, gets me going, as you can tell. I'm sure, well, you get asked that in every interview, I'm sure. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> every single time, every, every interview, every signing, every appearance is... When are we going to see you here? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do this? I'm not fucking going to tell you, am I? <laughs> and then it's, who's going to be joining the Bullet Club next? Exactly. It's always something like that. Always ask me what I'm going to be doing. No, I keep my plans uh, close to the chest. And, you know, I'm not going to tell everybody about it because otherwise they're probably not going to work as well, are they? How much did Bullet Club change your career path? Uh, I'm not sure about changed it, but I think it, I, I would say I'd have definitely helped it once it started going in a certain uh, certain direction. And what I mean by that is in terms of it may not have changed is because in my mind, whether it was with Bullet Club or not, I was going to do what I've done. So maybe it's bettered up a little bit? I think so. I think so, definitely, because you, you can't deny of what comes with being with Bullet Club. You know, the guys that have come through Bullet Club, the guys that have been tied to Bullet Club, so then to have your name uh, kind of put in... Uh, in that same sentence and stuff, that's obviously that's obviously always going to help you. Um, so it, yeah, there's a lot of always a lot of eyes always on Bullet Club. So don't be wrong, it definitely spit it up. And some iconic merchandise now. Of course, that's always the good side to it as well. You've got a uh, you've got a pretty standard, easy template to start with. So there's there's always an easy starting point there, and people love collecting the Bullet Club stuff. So that's like always it's, nice. It's like the new NWO T-shirt. Really is, yeah. yeah. Really, is. someone was there. The uh, actually at Comic Con the other day, someone I heard someone say something about that. They obviously weren't familiar with it, but they were familiar with the NWO and they make draw on the uh, comparisons there as well. Like I think seriously, like whether you were a WCW fan or not, you thought the NWO shirt was cool, right? Yeah, I guess so. And then that's kind of what Bullet Club's become now. You see it everywhere, and I'm I'm sure it's not going to change. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
This might be a difficult one, but career highlight for you. Oh, it might be like a parent choosing their favorite child, but yeah, what is it? That's a hard one. I really don't have one that comes to the to top of my uh, top of my head. It was pretty cool when I first got to go back and wrestle in New Zealand. Yeah, the the show itself may not have been the biggest thing, but it was cool being able to wrestle there in front of uh, my family and stuff. And I actually did uh, that show was in a building where I used to work as like event staff for like concerts and stuff. Oh, wow. So then we did that show. So that was pretty cool. Um, but I don't think you can really top uh, beating Tanahashi for the for the heavyweight championship <laughs> and then beating him again for the never championship and completing the Grand Slam. So. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll go with that that uh, that Osaka victory. I think for the for the heavy belt. I think that'd be the one that a lot of people. Yeah, would, yeah. I, there's to. not. It's it's probably the obvious one, but it's the obvious one for a reason. So yeah. yeah. Who we, who do you want another match with right now? Other than young Christopher Daniels. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I can't look past the young guy like that. So I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Ah, uh, uh, who's uh, another match? I'd like right to see now. you and Will Osprey again. Man, we'll we'll see if he if he can get the if he can get that belt. Maybe that'll be the uh, easiest way for uh, for mm. me to uh, to run it back with Will. He's he's spending plenty of time over here on Strong. So if he can go and get the get that that belt, I know he's already got one on him. If he can go get the other one, and then they can join belts together again, but that's already the same belt. It's confusing, I know, but maybe he can bring that over to Strong, and hey, maybe we can do that here. And then at the same time, hey. Maybe I still owe Ibushi after last earlier this year as well. That just sounds like a whole bunch of great matches coming up. Yeah, there. it could be, it could be, but we'll see. I gotta, gotta hopefully get past Young Christopher this week first. So we'll see how I that goes. I wish you the best of. Actually, I'll seriously. I'm gonna I, need that. I love Christopher Daniels. I actually, that's gonna be a very difficult match for you. You can support him. That's okay. He's gonna need all the support he can get. That's fine. Oh I might my take it. To gosh. <laughs> I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for taking the time to no, do this. No, thank you. It's, uh, it hasn't been actually too much wrestling talk for the most part. Although it's about wrestling, but also different as usual. So I appreciate that. I, but I also think your story, whether someone wants to be a pro wrestler or whatever it is, they want to be a musician, a painter, whatever, they want to chase their dream. Your story is so inspiring. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I can see that from an objective standpoint. It's, it's difficult for me to say that sometimes because it's myself that yeah, I'm talking about. It, yeah. But uh, I've also got no problem being able to look and go, yeah, I can see how that would be inspiring. It's a good example for people as well. Yeah, there's a lot of people that just look at the obstacles in the way. And I love that you look at them as just like, yeah, that's just, I got to get past that. And yeah. Pass the next one and then just keep going from there. It was, it really was as simple as that. I decided it in my head that it was, that's what I, Almost pretty much had to do. It's not that I just wanted to. I just decided mm. that was what I was meant to do, what I had to do. So it didn't really matter because as long as I found a way, I just believed that I'd find a way around it. Who's, who in your career, it doesn't need to be in wrestling. It could be someone outside of wrestling, but who's been the most inspirational for you? You know, I don't have an easy answer for that either. I never had... Actually, you know what? Nowadays, more recently, somebody that is pretty inspirational to me is uh, Russell Westbrook and his... Uh, his tagline, why not? Because that's mm. something that, that's very much, not just saying that now, that's how I looked at it back then. It was, why not me? I'm watching them talk, when Shawn Michaels talk about his Hall of Fame induction, I was like, why can't I do this? Why not me? So then once I decided that, every time, anytime I was going to the gym or this and that, and just kind of amping myself up on my head, I would say, why not me? Oh, why can't man. it be me? Yeah. As long as I get around these obstacles, why not me? Um, mm. And so back to the original question, Russell Westbrook, I think, is... Uh, 
somebody that I kind of look up to in, in, in that aspect, seeing as that's his tagline as well. Yeah, I always say if somebody out there is doing the thing that you want to do, that just means it's possible for you to do it as well. Yeah, yeah. You just they just might be further along in the journey. No, exactly. Everybody's got to start somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah, if you're going to compare yourself to other people's stories or journeys, you know, a lot of the time they were in your position at one point, or maybe even a harder position at one point, and they still made it. So yeah. You seem so appreciative of everything that's come along the way, which leads me to my final question. I ask this in every interview. I start and end every day with gratitude. I say out loud three things that I'm grateful for. On the spot. What are three things that you're grateful for right now, Jay White? Oh, uh, custom, custom suits, so they fit nicely as well. <laughs> grateful for them. Uh, I'm grateful on behalf of the entire wrestling world that I met Prince David, Phil, David Finn Bella, so that he could help deliver me to the wrestling world. Man, what a so, um I'm grateful on behalf of everybody for that. Uh, They're grateful to you for that. Yeah, yeah. and I'm uh, grateful for Tanahashi, just being there when I need him to so I can beat him and just to take uh, those championships from him, from him and him being there so I have these opportunities to uh, for me to make these moments for myself. Man, those are three great things to be yeah, grateful for. There you go, exactly. And yeah, I'm going to add a fourth one in, your luscious locks. Exactly. I'll yeah. Be, yeah, you know, I'm grateful that I've still got them as well. So hopefully, you know, <laughs> touch wood, that's not changing anytime soon. Jay White, this has been great. Thank, Thank you so you. much. No worries, man. Thank Appreciate you very much. You. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, there we go. Switchblade Jay White. Big thank you to him for the conversation and also for inviting me into the New Japan Dojo in Los Angeles. What a great facility. And thank you to you for always being with us. You know, Jay White has made one appearance in Impact Wrestling. Hmm. Do you think we'll be seeing him go through that forbidden door anytime soon? Hmm. Share this episode with a friend. Take a screenshot. Let us know that you're listening. Tag Jay. He's at JWhiteNZ. Tag me at Chris Van Fleet. And I'll leave you with a quote that I loved from Johnny Gargano's farewell speech earlier this week. In fact, I loved it so much that I, sh- I tweeted it out. Johnny and I go way back to when I was living in Cleveland. So we go back more than 10 years. And I'm just so excited to see what's next for him, wherever that is and whatever he happens to be doing. But I think the next thing you'll be seeing him do is become a dad which is like just a few months away now. So a pre-congrats to him and Candace on that. And the quote was, you will never fail if you bet on yourself. How good is that? And how true is that? Be great. Be grateful, my friends. We'll see you on the next one for some more insight. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.